the Now That We're a Family podcast. So today we're going to talk about what we would tell our younger selves. Ooh. And as per usual, I have the three things that, sorry, I'm moving around the mics with my foot. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. Oh, man. <laughs> sorry. Um, I would, oh, I have no clue what three things Elisha would tell his younger self. And he has no clue what I would tell my younger self. We usually don't talk over our points before we get on here. So I'm just as excited as you guys are to figure out what he would say. Yeah, I don't know if this is like an insight into where I'm at spiritually right now, but not many of the things I would tell my younger self are very spiritual sounding. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe that's really revealing as to where I'm at right now. Uh, in my, in my life, I don't maybe it's not. Well, I don't I want mean, to. Think, you don't, I don't have wanna... to put that on yourself, sure. Because some things are practical. We have to live. I mean, yeah. I think spiritual things. When I look in retrospect, you can always pull the whole like, oh, the Lord uses like He works all things together to the, for the good of those that love Him, and like who are called according to His purpose. And it's he. I don't. I don't necessarily like overthinking or overanalyzing my past, like spiritual shortcomings or lack of spiritual maturity because I just see God's sovereign hand in all of it. Okay, Elisha, you're taking some of my points, so you don't know what mine are, so I feel like you can't like diss certain points or say like... I wasn't dissing them. I was just saying it's not something that I feel compelled to do today. Okay, okay. Today's episode. (laughs) Well, should you just want to start so I that I don't take any more? I think you're just supposed to say what you are compelled to do, and then I'll do say what I'm compelled to do. Yeah, I guess that was like a disclaimer <laughs> for for you and for I guess our listeners regarding like I I do think that spiritual things are of the utmost importance. You know, they're of eternal significance, so they're like the most important things ever. But for whatever reason, the the points I thought of today for what to tell my younger self don't seem very spiritual. Well, maybe partially that's like, because you don't have so many regrets in that area. Like maybe you felt like prepared spiritually. Yeah. Well, and I think a large part of that, I, I do agree. I don't have a ton of regrets and I don't mean that from a self-righteous or pretentious standpoint. I, I really say it from a place of gratitude when I look at my parents and my upbringing and um, how they really were proactive and nurturing me and bringing, bringing me up in, the nurture and admonition of God's word and how my parents were so intentional about putting me around, uh, spiritual mentors. And so, I mean, it, hopefully it goes without saying that I'm very aware of my shortcomings and my moral failures and my lack of spiritual discernment at a young age and, and looking at where I'm at now and being well aware of the fact that I better continue to grow in that area. I hope I continue to grow spiritually um, but I don't have a ton of regrets in the categories that I would put like spiritual because I do think that my parents were very shepherding in a healthy way. So real quick before we dive in, it was funny cause I was telling Leon just a few minutes ago, we put him to bed and he came out to go to the bathroom and he's like, where are you going? Cause I was putting on my makeup and he was, and I said, oh, well, we're just going out to record a podcast and then we're going to go to bed. And he goes, oh, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> just thought it was kind of funny. Nice. nice. I'll tell you that. Uh, so anyways, so you wanted to go first? Or you want me to go first? I feel like these mics are really giving us like, you look like you have like a crook in your neck. Oh, I'm like, no. kind of like. <laughs> okay, I'll I try to know. look a little bit more relaxed. Why don't you start? 
Okay. All yeah. right. So my number one stress growing up, and so surrounded marriage, I think, to mm. be honest. And I think my, what I would tell my younger self is the right man won't get away. Hmm. So like, don't stress about it. Hmm. I think I had the stress since I was like 16. I don't know. For a really long time, I just thought, oh my goodness, like I need, like, I need to do things right or my dad needs to let me talk to this guy or I need to be able to date or this other girl's going to cut in or stuff. Like I was just stressed hmm. about relationships. And I think just looking back, especially when I look at God's sovereignty and yours in my relationship, Elisha, because ultimately, wow. That was a, was that that was a firework. That was a firework. Yeah. That was so loud. Yeah. I think ultimately, like when I look back at years in my relationship, you were probably 80% of that stress because I had the, you know, fattest crush on you and <sighs> kept having to go to plan B's basically my whole single life. What do you mean kept having to go to plan B's? How many well, times were you going to plan you kept B's? Because you wow. kept not showing interest in me. So it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to sit up on Jack's. <laughs> uh, and I think I would have just had a lot more faith looking back now at our relationship yeah, and how we did so many things wrong and it was so kind of miraculous how we ended up being married. It was like the Lord had you for me and me for you. And I truly believed that I do believe we can um, make decisions that are, you know, like that aren't aligned with God's will mm. and what his best is for our life. But I feel like if I just continued seeking God, continued living my life, loving my life, and, you know, looking good around you when possible, <laughs> then it would have all worked out. Yeah, it is pretty bizarre to think about how much anxiety and stress in my life was so surrounded. The It, it, it was all surrounding, like, who you were potentially going to marry or finding your spouse, finding that one that, that God had for you. And I think that's a common theme for like young single, yeah, yeah, especially totally. Christ, young single Christian people that have a high, um, like pers a high value on marriage, mm -hmm. and they have a high value on, um, you know, keeping keeping sex for marriage and things like that. It's a it's a big deal when you're young and single finding that person, and y yeah, again, I think a, a many of my regrets or things I would tell myself when I look in retrospect, they're regarding me regarding having uh, stress and anxiety mm -hmm. over different things that the Lord was clearly going to work out in his, in his timing. And it's so easy to say that now, but that was what I would lose sleep over. It's what I would spend hours in the day stressing about. We're usually things regarding my future spouse or how I was preparing or not preparing for my, for my future spouse um, or how, you know, how I was going to be able to win you over. And I think of that first year, the first time we dated, mm -hmm. that year, it was a tumultuous year for both of us on an emotional level. Oh, yeah. And it didn't end well. It, you know, that first go around of trying to date was so painstakingly, like, awkward and challenging and trying to sort through kind of that courtship slash dating, mostly courtship, you know, friendship, intentional friendship or whatever we were supposed to call it. Um, and then looking back at it now it's so easy to laugh at and to be like what what a funny thing what a kind of a fun part of our history but in the midst of that there was a lot of stress and anxiety yeah there was and 
Yeah, I had a lot of stress just in general. I mean, relationship stress was one of the big reasons my hair fell out when I was 19. Mm -hmm. And that caused a lot of stress in my life, going to doctors and all that. And I just think I could have avoided all of that if I just really trusted the Lord. And I, and I do think like, I'm not against single girls or single guys, like going out there and making stuff happen. Like I, I relationally. Yeah. Like, I don't think you need to just like sit in your room and like wait for the Lord to drop a husband on your head. That's not what I wish. I just wish there wasn't anxiety or stress surrounding that. And I just truly could have been like, okay, well, like I, I gave it my best shot, you know, and the Lord's gonna, (laughs) Lord's gonna decide if this guy is right for me or not. And I think I'm so grateful, I guess, that all the times I wanted something to work out too and got my heart broken, not all the times, a couple times, it did not work out. Hmm. Does that make sense? I don't think so. No. Like, like, when another guy, it didn't work out with another guy, I'm so grateful because the Lord had you for me. Right. And you were doing everything in your power to have it work out. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking, oh my word, like, you know, there's so much stress going into that. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you, you could probably point to like any of my, I guess, like the things I would tell my younger self or any of my regrets. And so like 90% of them would be around like relational drama of the opposite sex, yeah. you know, and, and trying to trying to find your, 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 your spouse. Uh, okay. So yeah, what's yeah you want to hear one of mine? Yeah, I, I think something that. that I would tell my younger self, um, really from age is probably like 15 to marriage. And it's, I think it's probably something that I need to continue telling myself, um, is like, if you want something, if you've got a desire for something now in your life, you'll probably want it five or 10 years from now too. Uh, and so start going for it, start building that. And, and what I mean is, if it's a business goal or if it's a professional goal or if it's a like a life experience, like you want a skill set to, to improve in becoming, I want to be more proficient in jazz guitar or I want to whatever, I want to get better at jujitsu or I want to get better. It's like if you ha- have these desires and you can see that it, you've had it for a while, well, you'll probably have it 10 years from now too. So you might as well get started on achieving whatever that goal is. And the reason I think it's important for me to tell myself that now and I one of the reasons I wish I would have told myself, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, that's like the classic line is just like a year from now, you wish you would have started today. Yeah. That's what that was making. Yeah. That's the quote I was thinking of as you yeah. were talking. Yeah. And it really just encourages you to start whatever it is, start writing that book or start memorizing the book of Romans. Like you just, a year from now, you'll wish you would have started now. Um, and I think when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, I, I had these unnecessary fears around like pigeonholing myself. It's like, well, if I devote too much time into music, then that's all I'm going to be capable of doing. Or if I commit too much time to playing college basketball, that's all I'm going to have for for myself. Um, Or if I go to college to study this thing, that's all I'm going to be able to do. And so as a result, I was kind of like in a holding pattern for a good six to eight year chunk of my life which ended up being some of the more, I mean, just like more insecure trying times of my life. And again, we, Katie and I can both look at our history and, and see the Lord's sovereignty in it and just be so grateful we, he's brought us to where we're at today. And so I feel like there always has to be that like disclosure at the beginning of looking back and analyzing your life in retrospect. Mm-hmm. There's that disclosure that like God worked it all out. So much better than we ever could have. So I'm not like questioning 
what he chose to do in my history, but it's things that I think, I think you can still learn lessons from your past to apply to your current situation. And it's like, with that knowledge, you have to do something with it. Like you can apply it to your life. And that's, does that make sense? What like yeah, telling yeah. myself to start and today? And you were really, in, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, I think, because having that feeling of, okay, I would, if I would tell myself at this at 18, it's like, is my 40 year old self going to want to have told myself now yeah, that right. same thing? Yeah. And so, like you said, we can learn from that and move forward in it. And I do think you were a really intentional person and you, you had very strong desires that God had placed on your heart. Because I think like, you know, for someone like me where it was like, oh, I want to like go to cooking school in France or I want to be an Olympic ice skater. It's like, well, I don't really have any of those desires anymore, you know, but some of the ones that keep coming up over and over and over, it's like, yeah, yeah, take action on those. Yes. A hundred percent. And and it's so easy as a single person. We've talked about this so much to feel like a year is such a huge commitment. Like four years is a huge commitment when you think of like college, what college you're going to, or if you're not going to college or stuff like that. Yeah. And once you have a longer vision whenever that hits for us I think it was getting married and having kids we're just like oh four years okay that's not a big deal we'll just work towards that four-year goal yeah it is interesting how time frames really like change in your brain when certain things like having children or getting married happen and I do want to clarify I don't think that like any desire that just drops into your heart on any given moment is worth pursuing I'm speaking of goals or desires that have been there repeatedly for a consistent amount of time and that fit into your value system that hopefully is submitted to God's word and what he has for your life. Because that is something that I had a desire for at a very young age is to have a healthy marriage. And I mean, first to honor the Lord and then to have a healthy marriage. And I wanted to have children. Like I didn't want to wait until I was 40 to start having kids. I wanted, I wanted to be a young father. Uh, and so those were things that I, I knew I wanted. And so when I'm talking about different goals or ambitions, they always came through that filter, which filtered a lot of youthful ambitions and dreams. It filtered a lot of them out, mm-hmm. you know, when I was like, wait a second, I don't want to fill in the, like, I don't want to backpack, you know, Europe for a year. Cause that's just not a, it's not going to help me get closer to my goal. And of course that desire is like, it's not gone away forever, but it's, I think one of those things that I want to do with you now, or we want to, maybe not for a year. Now, that's not a good example, but. Well, it depends on the person. Cause yeah. like, like that might be a valuable memory. They will always wish they had, Sure. but in your instance, that, that, I don't regret not doing it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know what it is for you. And, and I think, so basically you're saying if something's really on your heart, it doesn't matter like the time or the expense or like what it might cost you now to have that experience or to learn that skill. It's, it'll still pay off. I think that's a good way to sum it up. Don't let the amount of time it might take to achieve it or the amount of money it might cost to achieve it prevent you from doing it. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you don't want to do, then that's fine. Or it doesn't fit into your ultimate vision for life, then move on from it. But I don't, I wish there were so many things that I was like, oh, it takes two years to do that. Well, I'm not going to do that. Or it would take me four years to build the business to this. I don't want to start that. Uh, that's a silly reason to not do anything. That's good. Okay. So this is the second thing I would go back and tell my younger self. And that is God is keeping you and your salvation is his salvation. (laughs) In that he saved you with his salvation. And that Mm -hmm. is why you are saved. 
and he's not taking that away. And I think I had a lot of fear surrounding losing my faith Mm. growing up. And this wasn't because of the church I went to necessarily or uh, the family I was raised in, like the theology that we were raised in. But that's just for whatever reason, a fear that I had. I just, I was really concerned about martyrdom. And Mm. if I was martyred, because I think I read all these missionary books and stuff growing up, and I was really terrified that if I was martyred, I would denounce the faith and then, then what? Yeah. yeah. You know, like I don't want needles poked in my fingernails. I don't know what I'm going to do in that situation. Mm -hmm. Like, Lord, am I going to just like denounce your faith? And I think I wasn't making room for the fact that God has, he's with you in whatever moment he calls you to. Mm -hmm. And he keeps you in whatever he calls you to and once you're his you're his Mm. and I mean it makes me like emotional right now because I'm just so thankful um since like a year ago I guess even when I've had like downs in my faith or I know that I'm not walking closely with the Lord at that time or whatever I've never doubted that I'm his and that I'm his for eternity Mm. and that he bought me and he's going to keep me and it doesn't matter what you know, Satan throws in my path or when I stumble or fail or sin or, you know, things catch me off guard, I'm his mm. and, and that's not going to change. And I think I, that's definitely something I would have loved to believe when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 mm. and so on. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's one of, that's like the great celebration of, of our faith and of our eternal hope Mm-hmm. is that it's built on the perfect one. It's built on his faithfulness. It's built on his steadfastness and his goodness towards us and his perfect work on the cross. Like if it was, if there was this contingency on us fulfilling, like holding up our end of the bargain or finishing something that he started, it would be a hopeless cause and it would be a very fearful life. But it's he that, which hath begun the good work in us. Well, he's the one that's going to be faithful to perform it until the day of salvation. And he said on the cross, it is finished. He did all of the work for our righteousness and for our eternal, uh, eternal security in Christ. What's was crazy in Ephesians, it says that now we are seated at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. Like right now we're there. Are we there in body? I don't know. Like what timeline wise, I don't know how it works. Cause it's like outside of time, but he says, Hey, you're here at the right hand of God in his presence. It behooves him to call you his brother. And we are his bride right now. And we're living this life in faith, uh, waiting for his return or waiting until he calls us home. But we are living it knowing that He's the one that ordained everything. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Um, I love that, that like we get to look unto Jesus, Hebrew says, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's mm-hmm. like he's the one that wrote the whole story and then he's going to execute all of it in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. And uh, we we simply get to be recipients of his goodness and of his grace and and then live as grateful recipients of his of his goodness yeah and I don't have the references for these verses but a verse that was encouraging to me growing up was my mom would often say like you know he who is faithful to begin a good work in you will complete it yeah I think it's Philippians 1 some Philippians oh, nice. 1 somewhere yeah. yeah so that was encouraging to me I think a verse that was probably the most scary to me was the one where um 
it says, if you denounce me before men, I'll denounce you yeah. before my father. Right. And I was just like, I don't know. It stressed me out. Yeah. But then you see, you see the grace in it and you see how the Lord knows the heart of those who he has. Because when you see the story of, I think it was Peter, Peter who denounced Christ like three, three times, times yeah. before the rooster crowed, yeah. you know? So it's like the Lord knows. And then he, he made was, him the, he was the, still or, Peter. Yeah, exactly. He was still the And he said, on, on this rock, I'll build my church. Yeah. And, and that was like, again, I love that with any, you might call hero of the faith. The Bible does a very good job to mar their character. Yes. Each each person that we might call a hero of the faith fell short in big ways. Yeah, um, Moses and hitting the rock. He wasn't even able to go into Canaan. Yeah, I mean, you think of Abraham, who's known as the father of our faith. Like his whole life is just he's got a checkered past of like saying, oh, no, she's not my wife. She's my sister, you know, twice. of going <laughs> twice going into Hagar, you know, to sleep with her to try to get this offspring that God had promised. Like he just kept messing up time and time again. And yet he's considered the, mm. the father of our faith, mm. or, you know, the father of our faith. And that's pointing to God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Yeah, and yeah. That, Jacob tricking his father-in-law and yeah, tricking like, his dad for the birthright. Yeah, it's, or even David. David yeah. Well, David's is a big one. I feel like David's is like popular. Yeah, him being this person that's, you know, the time and time again is spoken of as a good example to being somebody that, you know, was a man after God's own heart, whatever that means, or that sang and praises to the Lord and had this passion for the Lord. And it's like, okay, don't look at him as an example in every way, though. Like, mm-hmm. he was really, he fell very short. And, and, and we're saying all this to say, I think, that all of this points to like man's inability to live right before God and God's God's ability to perfect us only through him and through his perfect work. Yeah, and just his righteousness being imputed to us. Yes, exactly. So. Being a gift, 100% a gift. Anyways, okay, so what yeah. about you? Okay. Number uh, two. Number two. I think I would tell my like 12, maybe 11, like 11 to like tell I was married self, um, when I would have pimples or zits, I think I would say maybe you should give that like another 24, 48 hours before you start trying to squeeze it or pop it. I think you should tell yourself this right now. Probably. I mean, the only difference is I just don't get as many zits, but, but I don't know what the game plan was (laughs) as like a 14 year old and thinking, okay, man, I'm going to like this wedding and I'm going to see Katie who I have a crush on. Oh no, there's like the beginning of a zit. I'm going to go to town on it and take care of that before I go to the wedding. And it's like an hour later after I had like a machete out chopping on this thing. I'm like, okay, that's way better. Now I just have a crater in my forehead. Elisha, you do this still. Like Elisha has clear skin and I will look at his face like whole, we're like, okay, we're going to go film or we're going to take a family picture or something. And he comes out of the bathroom. We're going to church. And he comes out of the bathroom, like, bleeding, like, blood just coming down this giant sore. And I'm like, did you get cut? Like, what happened? He's like, no, I had a zit. And I was like, there was nothing there before you just, like, hacked at it. Why do I do that? I do not know. That is a bad... uh, (laughs) We're, like, going on a date. And he's just, like, has this huge sore on his face. I'm like, yeah, I'll just pop 
pop that really quick and it'll be gone. What? No, that's not how it works. (laughs) Okay, so funny story. When we first got married, I was pretty good about holding off on zits. Also, I didn't get like teenage acne. It was like very rare. I would get, you know, pimple here or there. Well, I get pregnant with Leon and my second trimester, I have like acne. And Elisha was going to be so helpful and pop them all for me. You would ask me to. Because you would ask if I wanted you no, to. No, I wouldn't. This is what happened. I would look at you and you'd just look at them. <laughs> not look me in the eye. So I'm like, do you want to pop that? It was like he had this like, like you needed to do something about it. You know? I need That's to what you felt. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I would ask him to pop them. And I just had all these sores. It was the... Oh, I, it gave I'm, me a lot of empathy for people who struggle with acne, though. I will say that. It, it is, was a bad time in my it, life. I still, I, I know I've got scars on my face to this day from when I was 12. Like, <laughs> just going to town. Anyway, so I've got, that's something I would tell not just my younger self, but apparently I should tell my current self that as well. <laughs> just give it time. Let it run its course. It's better in the long run. <laughs> it can be so hard. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, so honestly, all of these things we could tell ourselves now. Probably. That's the beauty yep. of reflecting. Yes. You could use 2020 hindsight to learn yeah. from yes. the past. Yes. Yes. Okay, the third thing I would do, and I would tell my inner self, is learn music by ear. Ooh. That is big. I wish, like, I could, I spent hours and hours and hours practicing the piano, practicing the guitar. I started to learn the guitar by ear. Um, practicing the harp, practicing the viola, taking lessons for all these things. And I'm so bummed when I see how Elisha can just like sit down and just make up music and play with the kids and accompany, accompany them when they're singing. Or like we'll go to a church service. He could just like join in with the music side of stuff. And I I know that I can learn. This is probably one of those things that I need to tell myself. Like you can, I'm probably going to want to play music by year, 10 years from now. Sure. So I should just start. But it's like, basically I had that practice time built into my homeschool schedule for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And now that's not built into my schedule. And so I wish that I learned music by ear. And after I learned the basic like treble clef, bass clef thing, for reading music, which is super helpful, just gone into by ear. And my parents, I think what kills me is my parents started paying for by ear music right. lessons. And I was such a good classical pianist. I kind of stuck my nose up at the whole by ear thing. Because well, you would have had to like go slower before yeah, you could I would, faster I would have again. had to sound bad again. Yeah. And I was like 16. And I was like, no, I already sound good. My teachers love me. I am a great pianist. And my younger sister, Kelsey, was not too good at reading music she didn't have much to lose (laughs) and she started playing by ear and now she is an incredible pianist she has really cultivated that gift or that skill she's worked really hard at it Hmm. but i'm still just like katie you had the opportunity why didn't you take it so it is an interesting Ah. thing that yeah like there is a very uh like pretentious i guess um like subculture like category of people that put their nose up at playing like folk or traditional music or playing by ear and they only want to play classical music. But if I had to guess, it seems like the percentage of people that learn by ear at a young age versus the people that only play by ear and do very formal classical training, play by music, play by music. music. Sorry. Yeah. Reading music and play classical. 
like the percentage of the people that continue playing their entire life and blessing others of the ones that learn by ear seems to be much higher than the people that learn by music and yeah. like that classical. It's like they do it very structured until they're 18 or 22 or whatever. And then it's like that they don't play at all anymore. There's not like this casual pick up their instrument or sit down at the piano in the middle of the living room and, you know, lead worship or just play fun songs with their family. It's like this all or nothing approach. Well, because you learned like someone else's interpretation of music more than you learned your instrument. You wow. know, like I still don't know, like the, the instrument. instrument. Yeah. And I yes. think that's the problem. Playing by ear teaches you your instrument. Yeah. And you could take that and apply it to a lot of different instruments. And I just knew how to play the notes. Like I knew how to copy so what someone else created, but I never learned my instrument. Yeah. Anyways, well, that's is, good. You guys you're 12 years old listening to this right now. I do wonder what other uh, disciplines this relates to. Cause I feel like there's probably, uh, you, you could carry it over to like being really good in school and doing great on tests, but then like not continuing to learn and to educate yourself after school. Yeah. You know? Like if you don't learn how to learn right, and you just learn how to pass the test, like if you learn the test more than you learn the concepts of, yeah, exactly that it's a lot harder to take those principles or those skills. And then when you're 35 or 45 or 55, you know, learn something new or apply it. To yeah. A, I a think I was reading, I got a book from the library and it said all like millionaires are, this was an old book. I feel like there's a lot more millionaires than there used to be. I think so. <laughs> you know, like millionaires yeah. is like the new six figures or something. I feel like I don't the know way if people it's that talk about yet, it, but yeah, I know, but the way people talk about it sure. anyways, but um, they said why millionaires are B students or C students. Hmm. And the whole thing was like they weren't focused. It was like based on studies. And I got like all my nose all bent out of joint because I was like, I'm going to be successful. And I was an A student. Yes. But I th it was the whole concept around like they didn't just copy and do what they were told. They were more creative. They cared more about getting the outcome they wanted than getting the right necessarily outcome. Hmm. And they just didn't study the test. They just learned to learn. Like they wanted to understand they the concepts. To apply the... what was helpful to them. Yeah. And I thought that that was an interesting concept. That is interesting. Yeah. It's fun to think about it. If you guys hear voices in the background, there's people outside of our house, um, making some ruckus. I think it's, I think it's safe. doesn't seem like anybody's getting hurt out there and it's not our children. Just so you know, <laughs> no, they're not our responsibility. Uh, okay, my third one. Do you want to hear my third one? Yeah, I want to hear okay, your third fantastic. point. I, I'm learning new things. Yeah, I think that, and again, this is so applicable to today, uh, but it, I don't know, it's so hard to like put it into a one line, like a one liner, you know, to put it into like one phrase to tell myself, um, but it's caring far less about, you know, about people's opinions of you when you are younger. I can't believe how paralyzing that was for me at a young age, how many desires were on my heart and fear of man would keep me from taking action or pursuing, um, something. And over time, I think the, a big motivator was, or a big like breakthrough with this was just simply getting married and like having the support of your spouse. It became all of a sudden everybody else's opinions and voices became so much less relevant and meaningful to me. And I don't, th I think you can do this in an unhealthy way. Maybe some people even naturally are, have an unhealthy lack of like respect of 
persons, meaning like they don't even care about people at all, let alone care about what people think of them. Or like their opinions or criticism. Or yeah, like, or they won't take, they won't take, con- take, exactly. They won't take constructive criticism or they won't take some healthy feedback and they just, you know, bulldoze over people and just go their, go their own way without thinking. So the Bible's clear on there being so much wisdom and, and safety in the counsel of many. And, and the wise man is somebody that seeks counsel and seeks advice. Um, but I think that when I would go and seek advice, I thought whatever they, that person would say, if it was a mentor of mine or a father or whoever, an uncle, a sibling, um, a family member, I thought like, okay, well, if, if they aren't supportive of this, then there's no way I should do it. Rather than realizing like, no, I still have to live with my own decisions. And regardless, I was going to have to live with my indecision or like my lack of taking action or with my taking action. And it's far more, I guess, educational to learn from your own decision-making for my perspective than it is from your own passivity. I'd way rather learn from taking action and maybe failing or making mistakes than looking back and saying, wow, I didn't do any, try any of those things. So therefore I didn't learn any lessons and, and I didn't, and I regret not doing them. Um, and so I think that, you know, starting from the time I was again, whatever, 15, 16, 17 years old, uh, I think I put way too high of a premium on what people thought of me. And that's just a, that's just a common thing with man. I think as you just care about what people think of you far more than what you feel like the Lord's telling you to do, or just the desires you have on your heart. And again, this isn't negating the importance of seeking counsel, but then it's also realizing you have to make your own decision and you've got to just, you've got to live with that decision. Yeah. I think that, well, that's one thing that I'm actually so grateful for, Elisha. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but the way you take criticism, even non-constructive criticism, like some kook has an opinion on your life. And I'm like, okay, who needs to listen to that person? You're like, no, let's take what they have to say. Let's think about it. Let's pray about it. And often you come away with something that either you can learn and grow from or we can learn and grow from from a couple. And, um, oh, man, I need a cough. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. We're like mainly over the sickness, but I've got a lingering cough every once in a while. Um, anyway, so I'm really grateful for that and just your sensitivity to caring about people. And I think people feel that, you know, that you care about them. Hmm. But I also think when we got married, we had to make some decisions to do things against certain people's comfort zones. Yeah. You know, like sometimes people give you advice based on their comfort zone. Oh, like, I think we all do. You know, usually like I wouldn't even... do that if I were you, cause that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think we learned you can respectfully pursue things that are even in opposition to what someone you love very dearly would encourage you to do, but you could do it in a respectful way and keep the relationship healthy while, while doing that. Yeah. And eventually gain that, you know, respect and report back. Yeah. I, I like sense this all the time in myself when people will tell me about something that they're going to do that I've got like a, physiological aversion to. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't know if you should try that. But then I, it's, it's, I, I want to get rid of like my fears and my own apprehensions and be like, wait a second, is this something that might actually be good for them? Or maybe the Lord is going to use it in a powerful way. Maybe the Lord has placed us on their heart. And, um, and I, it's so, but, and so I guess I, I, what I'm saying is I understand why people sometimes have such like a, Oh, yeah. A negative reaction to you bringing something to them, because I I feel the same way sometimes when people bring it to me, and I and I try to like 
like, you know, think about it for a second and get over like that initial knee jerk reaction and then try to give constructive feedback. That's not just totally shooting their idea down. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, if they've gotten to the point of like bringing it to you, then they've obviously spent at least some amount of time considering it and it's like a legitimate consideration. So mm-hmm. you don't want to make them feel dumb for bringing it to you. Yeah. But when I think of not, but yes. And then when I think of, Instagram, you know, starting that, YouTube, starting that, the podcast, every single one of our businesses, at least one person that was close to us was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, yeah. You know? And I think that we're able to move forward without it being unhealthy for us or unhealthy for the relationship or unhealthy for them. And I think like, Sometimes I think the fear and like the whole fear of man thing can be like, well, I'm going to lose this friendship or like they're going to lose respect for me or they're not going to like me anymore. Yeah. You know, and I think I have more confidence. I don't know if you do. Oh, but like time. moving forward when you feel like, no, this is what's best for our family. I do feel like the Lord truly placed this on our heart. We have other counsels encouraging us to do this. Yeah. You know, like and being able to move forward without ev- making sure every single person is comfortable with the decision that mm. we love and care about. Yeah. It is nuts when I think back to like being in high school and I think about the people whose opinions mattered the most to me then, um, that, you know, maybe there was three or five or 10, people that would come to mind if I, when I was like picking out the clothes that I wear, I'd be like, Oh, well, so-and-so think this looks cool. Or, uh, you know, will they think that this song that I wrote is dumb or will they think it sounds cool? Or will they think it's cool that I'm reading this book or writing this paper? Like I think of who those people are and it's no it's no shade on where they're at now in their life but it's just funny how little I care now about their um perspective on my life like we we've, we've all gone on with our life it's like that's funny I spent like a solid chunk of my youth trying to impress them or please them and and then we just all go on with our life it's like that's a funny thing and they probably didn't care that much yeah and they didn't care. <laughs> they, they never I they never do ever you know even to this day and that always helps me when I when there are people that I am prone to being, you know, insecure around or just valuing their opinion in maybe an unhealthy way, thinking back to 10 years ago and being like, wait a second, whose opinions did I matter then? Or whose opinions mattered the most to me then? And I think of their opinions now and I'm like, that's funny. I love those people. They're great people, but I'm not like paralyzed by thinking about trying to impress them or please them. And I think it helps me take action now and like okay these people i might not be so paralyzed by them in the future it'll yeah. be new people whose opinion i really yeah. care about and yet but yet my decision i'm going to be the one that lives with it five years from now or 10 years from now and their opinion it's going to be just gone you know that's good yeah. well that was good elisha i feel like i uh took some fresh inspiration to continue in the future Yes. I think I might need to like do piano lessons and... Yeah, learn some music by ear. (laughs) I want to do that too. Folks, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Uh, If you've made it to this point and you have not yet left a rating or review on iTunes, would you be willing to do that? Katie and I love getting the ratings and the reviews. Yeah, we made it over 800. Oh, Thanks you didn't even you tell guys. me that. Wow, thank you all. Thank you. I should have started by saying thank you for getting us over 800 ratings and reviews over on iTunes. Yeah. That means so much to us. All right, any parting words, Katie? 
no, I don't think I have any parting words. Hopefully this was, this is a fun conversation though. I love doing these conversations. I know they're public. You guys are here, but I feel like anytime we do something like this, I learn something about you and it just stirs up like fresh conversation. So yeah. it might be a fun thing to do in your own marriage. I don't know. Or ask your kids a conversation like this. Yes. What would they tell their six-year-old self? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. We will see you guys next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye.